Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again to the Portable Pastor podcast. This is Mike Stafford, the Portable Pastor, bringing to you, yep, you guessed it, another teaching of God's Word. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to begin with verse 35. We're just going to read four verses today. While you're turning there, let me remind you about Paul's teaching to the body of Christ. And he was teaching that they... Uh, they were one, they were unified, they had the same spirit, they had the same purpose. And so he writes in several of his letters about this, this idea of one body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. In Colossians 1.8, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And then in Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, it says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sinuous mind, and not holding fast to the head. That's Jesus, remember, from whom the whole body nourishes, is nourished and knit together through its joints, its ligaments, it grows with a growth that is from God. So his body has a purpose, according to the Apostle Paul. We are to grow his kingdom, grow his body. We continue in the work that he started. Now, this is a this is a type of great commission living that we see in the scriptures. We teach that at our church. I teach that class once a semester, great commission living. You ought to uh, take advantage of that opportunity and learn that with us if you're on, in our area. We work together to make and grow disciples in our church. That's the the business end of our mission statement. We love God, we love people, and we do those things by making disciples. We carry on the work of Christ until he returns. That's what he told us to do. So we're going to continue his work. Now, with that in mind, now let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, and let's see what Jesus started that we're to carry on. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What did Jesus do? Well, he went around, the scripture says, he went around to all the villages and all the cities. Of course, he was walking, so he, he, but he walked a lot. He walked for three years, right? So he went around to all the villages, all the cities, and he taught the scriptures. He taught in the synagogues. He proclaimed the gospel. He met physical needs. He showed compassion. He, he pushed his disciples to do the same. Now, remember, we're his disciples too. We're the body of Christ. We carry on his work. If you're saved, you are a member of his body. You've left all your other personal directives outside, and you want to perform his directives now. 
The hand can't go over there, and the foot can't go over there. If one leg wants to go skiing and one leg wants to snowboard, and you try to accommodate both, it's going to be a disaster. Can you imagine that? This is why Christians stray from God and, and from his purposes for them, and they get so messed up and so unhappy. They forget that they're members of a body, and we're members of one body, his body. So we have to be okay with doing what the head says. Now, that truth transfers from universal to local. If if you want to be a member of a local body of believers, that's a, a local church, then you agree to join with that group of people to, to make disciples in, in that area and in the manner in which that church is equipped. For example, First Baptist, where, where I'm a pastor, does a great job with upward sports. We grow the church and we make disciples using upwards as the front door to that disciple-making effort. We are we are populated, our church membership is populated by a lot of people who are gifted to make that ministry work. And church down the road, say Lake Wiley Christian Assembly, they're staffed with people who know how to do soup kitchen ministry. So unless God adds soup ministry gifted people to our church, we have no business trying to do soup kitchen work. And unless God adds upward sports people to their church, they have no business trying to do upward sports ministry. Both churches are reaching people for Christ. Both are growing his kingdom. Both are making disciples and both are continuing in his work, but they go about it differently. So local churches we have things in common, but there's things that we we differ too. Now, I want to discuss the directives that every church shares, specifically the ones found in this passage, ones for his body, the universal church. Number one, the universal church. The church is made up of, of workers who teach the Bible. Now, we don't just teach life skills and how to get along Although it's important to to learn those things from a Christian perspective, we teach the Bible. We think about the disciples' life. One part of the disciples' life is fighting sin. How did Jesus fight sin? He fought it with Scripture. Another part of learning and teaching others is of our lives is is teaching others the commands of Christ. Where do we get those commands? Well, they don't just pop up in our in our heads in our hearts. Though they're from God's Word. Another part of trying to emulate what Christ did and how he acted is is to do what he did, right? Where where is that best modeled for us? Where can we see that best model? In the Bible, the body of Christ much must teach the word of God. I'm a I'm a member of the body of Christ. And let's say that I choose to ignore the Bible and try to teach people how to worship, fellowship, disciple and evangelize without without the Bible. I might as well teach them how to build a build a power plant. Seriously, that, that teaching will be just as useful and just as dangerous as if I tried to teach them how to build a power plant. A church without Bible teaching is not a church. It might be a social group. It might be a group that encourages each other to do good works. But unless we read the Bible, we don't know what those good works are. I compare it to... I'm just going to bring it from my perspective. I compare it to a group of rednecks who've gone mudding without a winch and have grown content being stuck in the mud in one place. I've come to the realize the, the realization that a church cannot be the body of Christ if it doesn't teach the Bible. The first church knew this. That's why in Acts 2.42, it tells us, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So you must teach the Bible. Secondly, 
The church is made up of members who share the gospel. The church has has nothing of lasting significance to offer the community without the gospel. you got to realize this. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's his death, burial, and resurrection in which he paid the penalty for our sins and proved that we can have eternal life in him, in, in, with him in heaven. And that's available to everyone who, who places their trust in him for salvation. That's the gospel. The gospel's not fixing the ills of society. It's not ending hunger. It's not ending hatred or bigotry. It's not fixing inequality, impoverishment, intolerance. And the church that teaches those things, that teaches that is the gospel, doesn't know the gospel. It doesn't know the gospel of the Bible. The gospel saves people. The gospel doesn't save society. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Just people. Not mend Israel's slavery to the Romans. The social gospel tries to fix the consequences of sin, but ignores the sin altogether. And anyone who preaches a social gospel is not preaching the true gospel at all. You see, the true gospel changes lives. It changes lives from the inside out, not from the outside in. Only when someone receives the true gospel are they willing to fight their own racism, their own greed, their own hatred. Only then will they begin to affect society positively for the sake of Jesus. The gospel is the is for the sinner's sake, not the society's sake. So the church must share the real biblical gospel with individuals. And thirdly, a church is made up of members who take care of needs. The church must be about taking care of needs. The needs of each other are are essential. We need to meet those. Those are essential. The meeting of those needs is essential to be a witness in, in our community. John 13, 35 says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So taking care of one another is a, is a vital part of what we do because it's a vital part of love. And this is why, at least at our church, that, that we have deacons. I think this is why we were given the office of deacons in the first place. They're the caring arm of the church. They are not the sole caregivers because we all have to care for one another, but they should model that for us because that is what they were set up to do in the beginning. But like I said, all of us are responsible for caring one another. Jesus took care of the needs of people by healing them. I mean, he he healed them. He did a miracle to provide for them. He he did miraculous things. We may not be able to do the miraculous today, sometimes maybe, but most of the time I'd say, no, we don't do that. But we can help someone to get through their affliction, through through their hurt, through their 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 poverty. We can help get them or walk with them through that. That's the responsibility and the blessing that we have. That's built into church membership. If you're a member of this local body of believers, you're expected to give care and to be taken care of. Consequently, the church that fails to do that, that they're going to lose their witness. According to that verse in John 13, 35, the body must take care of the body, but the body also must take care of the community. Jesus modeled that. They weren't believing in him, and he he met their needs. We must follow his his lead. Remember, he is the head of the church, and the church is made up of workers who care for others. A church is also made up of others who show compassion. Jesus obviously showed compassion. He showed compassion to people who were helpless and harassed. In his eyes, they were sheep without a shepherd. That's what this passage says. 
They were without someone who would protect them from Satan, uh, from demons, from uh, pitfalls with sin. They would they would protect people from these things that would lie and rob and, and try to kill them. They were they were people who would who didn't have someone to lead them to the feeding grounds of God's word. He they couldn't be led to places of security like like a sheep pen or a church house in times of trouble. They were without someone to mend their hurt and soothe their pain. So Jesus recognized this and he showed compassion to them. To them, why why would he do this? Well, one obvious reason is that he loved them. Of course he loved them. Of course he would do this. But it was also because they needed to know him, that he was divine, that he was the son of God. And without him, there was no chance of salvation, no chance of heaven. They needed to know he had the, he had the power to do this. And we follow his lead. We show compassion. We show compassion on the down and out, the hopeless addict, on the gender confused. When, when, when you begin to see people the way Jesus sees them, compassion becomes a reality in your mind. It becomes a lens in which you look through and realize how people are, really are. And, and then you can move past something other than you know, self-gratification or something when you're, when you're trying to help others. We are the, the body of Christ. He is our head, and the head says to be compassionate like he was compassionate. Now, the last character trait in this passage is that the church is made up of people who pray for laborers to send out. Now, this is a direct command from Jesus. Verse, 30, verse 38, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Now, notice whose harvest it is. It belongs to God. He's the, the Lord of the harvest. And that makes sense, doesn't it? After all, John 6, 34 teaches us that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It's, it's God that's going to do that. It's his harvest. This is one reason, I think, this is one reason why, why people don't lead others to Christ. They assume it's their harvest. And either they have no perceived need of it or, or they're afraid that it's not going to come in, so why even try? But Whatever the case, that's that's why they don't share the gospel. At least one reason. Now, I've heard countless times, I, I can't talk to people about Jesus. What if I mess it up? What if, what if I what if I say something and they say no? I can't handle rejection too well. Well, I always want to say, really? <laughs> really? That didn't keep you from discussing other stuff about things that you didn't know? I, I disagree with you politically. So why do you keep trying to change my mind about political figures and policies? You see, they really do. They do. They really don't have these insecurities. They just they don't want to share the gospel. And that's because they assume that the harvest is for them and they don't need it. It's about them. It's about setting value on them. And no, that is that is absolutely not true. The harvest belongs to the Lord. He grew it. He owns it. When you think about praying for laborers, pray this. Lord, please send laborers to the mission field of your county and beyond. This is where we live, your county. If I'm included on that list, Lord, I'm willing to go and I'll serve you well. If not, show me whom to support and how to support them. But please, Lord, give us workers for the gospel. And the Bible says that the fervent prayers of a righteous person availeth much. That means they have the power to work for God's glory. So we pray for laborers to be sent out. Here's the application. 
Number one, just pray for workers. But you got to pray for workers. Use that prayer I mentioned earlier. Pray that the Lord will fill our church with with your county missionaries and your church with your county missionaries ready to go into the community and beyond. Pray that some will dedicate their lives to this work. It's important. Pray that we can commission some in our very church to go out and do this full time. Pray that our church catches this fire and runs with it like like an Olympian, you know, who's carrying that that torch to the the next place, to the far reaches of the globe. So we must pray for workers. Secondly, prepare for action. Study the scriptures. I don't know how people can make it without knowing the the scriptures, without knowing the word of God. They have no armor. They they have no no way to fight the devil. So they need to study the scriptures. I encourage you, study the scriptures individually. Study them in a group. Get in a part, get in and be a part of a a local Bible study that teaches the truth of God's word. Memorize the salvation passages. Those are so good and so important. You'll be able to share those if you memorize those. The Romans road is excellent. Romans 3.23, Romans 10.9, and Romans 8.1. That's the six that I use in sharing the Romans road. Memorize salvation scriptures. You gotta prepare for action. Sign up. The next time our church offers the Great Commission Christian class, sign up for it if you're in our area. Remember, to be used, you gotta be ready. So prepare for action. So pray for workers, prepare for action. And third, partner with believers. Look for partnerships that that you can join and and proclaim the gospel and minister to the needs of people. You don't have to do this alone. Find people with similar affinities or talents and and, and dedicate those things to the Lord. Form formal partnerships with other churches, with other parachurch ministries, and and bring that to the attention of, of the church so that Other people can support you in that. In our church, you would bring that to the attention of our mission development team. And we'll pray about that and pray about how to support you in this work. You got to partner with other believers. You have to. We can't do this alone. Maybe even join a church like like this one, First Baptist Clover. Join a church that is mission-minded and Bible-centered and gospel preaching and begin that process of partnering. Okay, so what are we doing? We're praying for workers, we're preparing for action, we're partnering with believers, and then finally, we're going to do the work. We're going to produce good works. We wait on the Lord to open that door, and when he does, we jump through it like a dog who sees a squirrel out his front window, you know, out in the yard. Go go work the harvest. You, you, don't, you don't know the joy of participating in that work if you've never done it. When God includes you, in his work, in saving people and growing people into Christ's likeness, it does something in you. You're, you're going to feel, if, you've, if, if this is your first time ever to get involved with that, uh, you're going to feel like that you finally have a purpose in life. That's how good it feels. You were, you were made for this purpose, so we must produce work. So, so we, we can focus on these things. We can do this. We can focus on these things to accomplish the mission of a loving God and loving people by making disciples. If we pray for workers, prepare for action, partner with believers, and produce good works. That's it. And we want to we, we pray for you and help you with that. So if you commit to that lifestyle, man, I want to pray for you. Just let me know. 
Just let me know. Send me a, an email, Mike, at fbcclover.com. I'll be glad to pray and rejoice about you committing to that work. And if if there's a way we can partner together, maybe we can do some mission work together somewhere. I would love that. But let me know, and I'll, I'll, I will definitely commit that to prayer. Well, I want to pray for you. I'm going to cut you loose today, and we'll come back next week with another teaching from God's Word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for it, how it equips us and prepares us and uses us in your mission. Father, help us to know your Word. Help us to love it. Help us to love your work and to join in that and make your directives our primary directives in our lives. Thank you, Father, for this reminder in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hope you have a great week. Remember, if you're walking with God, he's very much pro you. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.